Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding Reality. I am David Chen, here with At Joyo Napping. And Aloha. on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be discussing Love is Blind, the season three finale, as well as the reunion episode. Uh, now, I do want to call out that we are recording this while we are on vacation, uh, and we are recording in our hotel room, so the audio might be a little bit more echoey because we're using a pretty hacked-together setup in a hotel room. So, uh, but I know there's a lot of demand out there for decoding reality, like the, the volume of emails and tweets being like, when's the next episode is just overwhelming at this point. So we had to get something. I mean, I think there have been millions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Or some fraction of some fraction of millions. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, you can find more episodes at decodingreality.tv and email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter at decodingtv. Okay. Wow. So we are going to spoil everything through the end of Love is Blind Season 3, and I guess we should just start by like saying exactly what happened to all of the couples, right? Um, yeah, why don't we just go couple by couple? Uh, but there, there are so many feelings about one couple in particular. I don't know if we should start there or, mm-hmm. or hold it. What do you think? Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's just go through all the couples. So last week we left off. We were wondering if Bartice was going to say hi, uh, yes to Nancy. He said no. Um, Brendan and Alexa got married. Yes. Um, and no one else got married as far as I know. Oh, oh, sorry. Matt and Colleen. Yes. <laughs> Yes. We can never remember that Matt and Colleen are on the show, except when we're like, oh, yeah, there's the one with the anger problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Matt and Colleen, Brandon and Alexa, the, the two out of the five couples that made it. I two have, and a half, right? Because SK and SK Raven. SK and Raven are still together, yes. as we found out in the reunion episode. Um, I'm going to start by saying that this whole couple of episodes was upsetting to watch it was an upsetting spectacle and 
I think my attitude on the show has like swung around 180 from like, oh, this is like a fun little curiosity. Huh, what would it be like if you couldn't see someone before you fell in love with them? Huh, kind of interesting. To like, now I feel like it's very possible the show is like doing active damage to people. I really you know? felt that way too. I felt yeah. really uncomfortable, especially watching, it's not watching Cole cry in the moment. It's realizing Cole has spent a year I mean, he looks like he hasn't shaved maybe since that moment. Like he has become a completely different person. That sort of peppy golden retriever quality he had is completely gone. Like that this experience really like wrecked him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would have wrecked him whether it was in the public eye or not, but it's not easier knowing that it's all going to be on television. Yeah. Well, let's do, let's talk about the weddings real quick. Uh, and, and by the way, we, we should point out that It has uh, been made clear from Shane giving interviews from season two that... Uh, of Shane, are, Natalie. Yeah, Shane, Natalie, that, that people are contractually required to like show up at the wedding and go through with it. Um, that he, oh. he, was, he, he felt in danger of being sued if he did not show up at the wedding. So everyone's like, why are you making everyone go through this whole charade if you're not going to say no? And it's like, that's part of the contract. It's part of the deal that you show up and like, give I you a see. decision. That is really helpful yeah. context yeah. for a couple of things that go down. Yeah. Um, so are we going to go through maybe the four couples that whose weddings were shown and then talk about SK and Raven? Uh, yeah, I think that's worth okay. it. And, and then talk about the reunion in general, I think, right? So uh, Bartiz and Nancy, it doesn't go well. Bartiz says no. Nancy says yes. Um, Bartiz does not acquit himself well, in my opinion, in this situation. <sighs> Say more about why. Well, first of all, he's like, he's saying to like, Nancy's mom is clearly extremely upset. And This Nancy, is the woman who is a bail bondsman. Yes. She's dealt with criminals. complete pieces of shit. Yeah. Right? Like, so she knows. Who might run. <laughs> <laughs> she's dealt with, um, you know, People who have done horrible things uh, are on the run, uh, generally reviled by society, and also the people she deals with in her bail bondsman business. Do you see? <laughs> It's early in the morning, Hawaii time. So, That was rough. I thought it was awesome. Um, so... Yeah, like, Nancy's saying to her mom, hey, like, back off. Like, that's fine, because it's Nancy's mom. But, like, Bartise should not be saying that to Nancy's mom. Um, and Bartise's like, excuse me, I'm trying to have a conversation with my fiancé here. It's like, are, are, you, still are you still a fiancé? Yeah. yeah is it, I don't think you're still her fiancé, his fiancé anymore. Anyway, so uh, her, her brother's getting really pissed. On the one hand, I'm very torn about it because uh, good for them, like, They're, Who's the them in that sentence? Like, they're backing up their sister in a really, like, meaningful oh, right, way. Right. Like, they clearly have their sister's best interest at heart, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, On the other hand, it's heartbreaking that this, like, pain and humiliation was kind of broadcast for the whole world to see. You know, like, um, I'm sure that's not what they wanted, you know? And, 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 and I think, like, um, a, as time has gone on, I think fewer and fewer families are willing to participate in the spectacle. Uh, is kind of my sense with Love is Blind. Like, there's this season we had, like, multiple families not being like, I'm not even going to be part of this. Um, and I wonder if the fact that they know that they're going to have millions of people all up in their business is, like, part of that reasoning. And also maybe, like, a sense that it's not highly likely to work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am really... 
I think I have a really different take on this than you. I agree Bartiste does not acquit himself well. The biggest problem is not that Bartiste says no. As you just described, maybe he's contractually obligated to go through, to not break it off literally the night before. Yeah. The biggest problem is that Bartiste sends her a gift on wedding day that says, let's do this thing with a shot of alcohol, which nobody else is seen doing. Yeah. And so there is a strong implication that she should feel good about his chances of saying yes. And yeah. she had specifically asked, if you are not into this, you, you know, let me know. And I feel that that's particularly fair because she could then turn around and say to her family, look, we have to go through with this contractually. Yeah. I think there's a solid chance it's not going to work out, but you need to get like, that is a really different thing than feeling like you're watching your sister or daughter get humiliated it, when they're very confident it's going to work and they've yeah. already gone ahead and said yes. She had said it was really important to her to not be blindsided and she's yeah. clearly blindsided. So, um, I mean, he's the one that got the edit where we saw him weeping over how great she was yes. that morning. But now maybe it's like, you know, you're wondering, I, I do believe they all vacillate. So I do think that they don't necessarily know for sure, but certainly he knew he had some amount of second thoughts. Yeah. Um, so it is my sense that probably because he says, I'm trying to talk to my fiance that he thinks that they can continue to yes. be engaged and have more time to work on it. But Nancy is just not about that. And, you know, I've really <laughs> ricocheted on my feelings on Nancy through this season. But although it came from a little bit of a place of hurt, I thought it was very healthy that she said, the point of this was for me to try to give unconditional love to someone based on what I thought was their, you know, values and spirit and ability to grow as a person over time. And I needed that same belief in me in response. And if that isn't there now, there's no purpose in going another month or two months or year to float along and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. So for her, it was all or nothing. And for some other couples, you know, they do continue to, yeah. as we know from the season, keep dating or kind of pick a third path. Um, I really don't think her family embarrassed themselves. No punches were thrown. Yeah. The things they said were honestly like fairly coherent. Like my mom, if I had gone, which would be very unlikely, but if I had gone through one of these kinds of experiments, my mom would be like a gibberish machine and probably like throwing something at someone. So I um, actually felt like they looked quite dignified and sure. very like loving. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying they looked undignified, but I guess it's just like th this whole event that's supposed to be like a special family event has been made into a public spectacle, right? Like, and they, and with which they are a part. Yeah. So yeah, but her brother MVP. Yes, oh, totally, totally. you know he was incredible. He has very little screen time, but mm -hmm. is a, just a powerhouse sort of of. Um, it's not even confidence. It's just like situational awareness and calling it like it is. And mm -hmm. he's not cruel about it. He's just like, this is not good enough for her. Yeah. Um, so I felt bad for her family. I don't know if I feel quite as bad for Nancy because the truth is she said yes. And this is the best outcome for her mm -hmm. is to not be married to Bartise, who is a man child. Yeah. He's not there yet. All right, Alexa and Brennan. Wait, can we? Oh, do yeah. you want to talk about the anything with the reunion? No, I thought we'd do the weddings first and then talk oh, about the reunion. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, Alexa and Brennan, 
they got married. They were the most predictable couple. There's the hoopa. There's the glass. It yeah, was great. It was nice. Yeah. Nice. The grandfather seemed to shed a little tear. Yeah. The grandfather? Uh, uh, they had met previously oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. for Brennan to learn a little bit about Judaism. Okay. Uh, Colleen and Matt. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. What happened between the next time on footage in which it seems like Brennan is having a total meltdown yeah. and then they just left it out? It feels like the kind of thing that you would keep in for drama and storyline. Yeah. Um, he seemed to be having a wedding day sort of second thought something, which was very surprising since they've been the most stable couple up until now. And they know because all these episodes are released almost simultaneously, you know, like, how can you have a next time on and then literally not even show the storyline that that alludes to? I continue to think that this show has the most chaotic editing. Uh, I I mean, okay, so what you're referring to, to be clear, is on the last episode, like episode 9, I think, or 10, there was a next time on preview that seemed to show Brennan not being in a good state. On wedding day. Uh, and, and it's like, oh, well, then maybe Brennan's not going to get married to Alexa. But then the wedding goes extremely smoothly for them. So it's like, what and was And he never the expresses those yeah. thoughts to anyone. He, they never show that footage. I didn't even want to dignify this topic with any of our airtime because at every step of the way, the producers of this season have chosen chaos. So... Sure, whatever. Like, that's literally the least problematic thing they've done all season. So I'm like, not saying it's the most problematic. I'm saying it's part of their actual story. I'm more interested in Alexa and Brennan as humans mm-hmm. when I say that. Suffice it to say, they get married. People sure. seem genuinely happy. And I thought their little speeches for each other were quite lovely. Um, Matt and Colleen have created quite a bit of conversation because, first of all, I did not think that would happen, that she would say yes. You know how you need, like, both keys to turn in order yeah. to, like, launch a whatever yeah. nuke or something? Uh, I didn't think either key was going to turn. So when both of them did, it was really shocking. It was quite a shock. and They seemed in shock. <laughs> like Not in a fun a, way. They're, like, playing a game of chicken with each other, yeah. perhaps. Um, this is the most boring couple, in my opinion. I have, like, virtually nothing to say. I mean, I have some sad and upsetting things to discuss during the reunion part, but, mm. like, other than that, I don't really have anything to say about this. So, uh, anything on the Matt and Colleen union before we get to the re- reunion stuff? No, I'll save it. Okay. And then, final couple, uh, Cole and Zaneb. Um, So, look, the thing that I cannot forgive this season of Love is Blind for doing is making me sympathetic for Cole. Um, I remember when I started watching the show, I'm like, Cole is my least favorite guy. He's not like Shane villain era, but like he's the kind of guy that I would not want to hang out. Like if I saw him at a party, I would be like, I'm going to the other end of the room. Like. Uh, I don't wish to spend any time in his presence. Including on screen. Like, every time he was yeah, every on, time he's like, on screen, why do like, I have to spend uh, more time with I don't want to watch this guy. I hope he doesn't make it to the next phase. I have gone from that to now, like... And I said this in our previous episodes. He's a tragic figure. He's like Pagliacci, the tragic clown. It's... Honestly, like, Cole has totally been an asshole and doesn't know how to handle himself in relationships. And that's, that's actually, like, something that I think... 
this season of the show has done like malpractice in so many ways that I feel like previous seasons have been like less so. One of the ways in which it has done malpractice, in my opinion, is um, recruiting like much younger people this time. Like there's been multiple people who are like in their mid twenties who have already been divorced, you know, and it's just like. If you're like 25, you're still like figuring out like what you're doing, you know? Maybe because they're in Texas, like most of the people in their 30s are already married. I have wow, no idea. Wow, a lot of, lot of things are being said about but, people in their 20s and people in Texas. I'm just saying like it feels like the people this season are like less mature than previous seasons. Okay, I, don't, but I, don't, also... I don't know if the ages are actually lower, yeah. but like, um, but basically like, uh, Cole, yes, he was a douche. He was an a hole. Um, I don't but, think he was that much of an a-hole. I think he was just he, very not self-aware. Very not self-aware, has no filter, but he was always like, he was not deceptive about who he was. That's one of the um, virtues that we've discussed. And um, and I think he's still like learning how to be a person and in I a relationship. I think he was trying you know? his best. Yeah, that he, is- was trying, he was trying it. But, and so, and so um, I'm not even saying necessarily like he was... Um, he didn't deserve to get blown up like that at the at the wedding, but like, it is brutal, you know. Um, her going up and like saying all those things, and I think like the part that really hit me watching it is how blindsided he was. Like, it's one thing if he's like, he's like, I think for Shane, like in season two, like, I think he kind of knew it was coming because, Or like, that it might be coming. Yeah, because, like, yeah. they'd had, like, so many disagreements. Yeah, that's and why his said, body language is right. so fidgety because he's, so he's fidget- like, oh, yeah, this is awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, he, Cole looked like he was probably ready for her to say no, but not for her to, like, blow him up like that on stage. And that just really hit me hard of, like, he just wasn't even ready for that. And it was really sad. It was really sad. It's like, you're seeing someone get like destroyed basically, like emotionally. And, um, and I would argue maliciously. Um, but what did you think of, like, it, well, let's like get many, to the many, malicious many, part. Many, many people have said it will go down in history as like one of the great kind of takedowns. And certainly in Love is Blind history. And, you know, whatever. What a great takedown. Really? What does it's that just like mean? a huge, like dramatic moment, you know. Yeah, but I don't think it makes her look good either. Okay. Yeah. So, what's your reaction to everything that happened? Well, so this is—I I might be alone on an island of one, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think Zeneb is a liar. I don't think she's a pathological liar. I think she believes to be true the things that she is saying. Yes. Now, she may be sitting in an emotional truth that many of us would not have gotten to based on the set of circumstances that led up to it. But I don't think she's faking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe her that she was not really... Sh- that A, that she loves Cole, that whatever that means to her, and that she was not sure if she would say yes or no because a lot of her wanted to say no, but some part of her also wanted to say yes. And at the same time... Woof was that a particularly cruel way to say, you know, she says things like, I hope I'm freaking out. I hope he's freaking out. I hope when he sees me, like he is just like unable to see, you know, like he's blinded by how good I look. Like it feels like there's a lot of like exacting revenge basically by 
wanting the situation to go a certain way for her emotional comfort. I would never want for somebody else to be stressed out just because I'm stressed out. Like that does not feel like a loving impulse. And so then she comes down the aisle and she looks at her parents um, sort of in memoriam seats with a lot of emotion and has this lovely prayer for, you know, she wants, she's like, I want to start with prayer. And then she says, she starts in a relatively dignified way. Um, and she doesn't cry through it. And so to me, that means she sort of like prepared herself for this speech. These are not like on the spur of the moment words. And what she says sentiment wise is, I think I now have a pretty good sense of who would be the right person for you. And I think you and I both know that I am not that person. And that could have been it. Yeah. It could, and that would have been a very respectable, no drama way of ending it. Like right? I learned oh. about you, yeah. you learned about me. It is often possible for people to care about each other, but either it's not the right time or the right circumstances or the right personality fit, you know, and it, th that hurts. But like you go off on your separate ways and the, the hurt is yes. regular hurt. Yes. But then she says, you destroyed my self-confidence. You destroyed me as a person. I have never felt worse about who I am. And, f and basically for that, you need to answer. And for that reason, I can't say yes. And it's like... Those are, those are like really big statements. And I felt so bad for Cole, partly because that wasn't like a conversation they were having. Like, I think a reasonable way when your feelings are hurt or you're angry or you feel like you've been wronged is you can tell someone how you feel, but you must give them the venue to respond because sometimes there are misunderstandings or sometimes the person can say, oh, that, there's like context you didn't know about or, oh, I, I hear it now that you say it that way. I want to apologize. It was just a one-sided, just bombs being lobbed over to the other side of the trench. And Cole has to stand there and doesn't even get a chance to say anything. And she walks out to applause so clearly some part of the group has been prepped that he's a bad guy yeah, and or that he's done things that are bad and setting aside that Cole is who he is, um, which, you know, we will almost certainly get into. I, I drew, I truly don't believe anybody deserves that because I think that's fundamentally unloving and fundamentally disrespectful. And it felt quite rehearsed. And well, because it was really well written. And so I don't think Zena quite has that in her to do. Impromptu. Off the dome, as it were. Extemporaneously. Extemporaneously, yeah. To use my high school <laughs> speech and debate terminology. I think it's been fascinating to watch this whole thing play out because uh, Zeneb clearly. Um, look. Uh, Cole is not someone who I like. I think he ha has said some very bad things. There could be two wrong Exa people. Example, example. Um, you know, he's like, hey, out of a scale of one to ten, like, what would you rate me? You're a nine. Um, Colleen's a ten. It's like, okay. He didn't come up with it that way. He said you're a nine. And she said, is there anyone here who would be a ten? Sure. Right? Or, right. So I, sure. I feel like she has a way of prying it out of people, too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, Cole doesn't know that in that situation, that is not what you say. You know, uh, but clearly the fact that he said it did significant damage to Zeneb, right? That's kind of how I interpret the events. She may have 
help to cause it, but whatever. Like he, 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 if he had known better, he wouldn't have said that dumb stuff, right? Um, but I think that the internet has really turned on Zeneb over the course of the last literally three days. <laughs> um, and as we're recording this, and I do think she comes off as manipulative and du- duplicitous. Like, um, I, like that is all based on after the the altar. So I want to talk about no, it. No, it's, but... it's not. It's oh, not, even I, well, just I, I, from I, the. I mean, I yeah, think that yeah, some yes, people yes had to... a like you go girl like kind of reaction to the wedding moment. Sure. Because that is the edit we've seen of Cole. She, she, she thought that she was going to be like deep D round two, basically, who's like, I chose me. But in fact, she looks like a horrible person. Like deep D comes off Love is Blind season two looking yes. awesome. Yes. Like she's amazing. Super dignified. Zeneb looks like a, like a, a damaged and manipulative liar from my perspective. Okay. And so anyway. I mean, I, I think damaged. I'll go there. Yeah, sure. Um, and maybe manipulative in that we're all a little yeah. trying anyway, to arrange the world. So, so anyway, like, um, but I think they both look bad. Like, I'm not saying like Cole is awesome and she's bad. Like, they're both bad. Like, they both bad in different ways, and they're both certainly bad for each other. And it was a terrible match from the start. And I've always said this throughout the last. Three sure, sure, sure. But like, you know? before we move on completely from the wedding. It doesn't matter any of the context of how you got there. It doesn't matter if both people are great or both people are, whatever. I actually think the individual set of behaviors was unacceptable. There was nothing that would make that acceptable to me. And, um, therefore, whether you thought you were going to get the deep cut or you thought you were just speaking your truth or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, the idea that you came up with like, this is an okay path forward. Um, speaks to a level of like I think damage and like not readiness to be in a committed and loving relationship um and I think it was quite sad that this is uh who Zenob is in this moment you know I'm a very big believer that people are not fixed quantities but you know best case scenario she will also learn from it yeah and let me let me um walk back the liar part of what I said um, because I think you're right that like she does experience, she 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 is living in a truth that she is experiencing, right? Right. Um, I mean, the liar part is like, okay, liar this, implies like you know, yeah, you know, you're fabricating. But like, there is this whole story that this bizarre interaction in the reunion where she's like, yeah, you were hanging out with a, you know, well, let's let's yeah, get so, yeah. All right, anything about the weddings? We're done, right? I long for the wholesome days of the SK and Raven. It's a no, but we all comfort each other. I know. This we was were so young. We were so young. Largely a train wreck, yes. except for Alexa and Brian. It was brutal. brutal. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the Love is Blind reunion, which, in my wow. opinion, is even worse. Much worse. Much worse. It, it, it's honestly like this reunion and like the things that are revealed have now shown me that this show is very likely a net bad for society. <laughs> like, I'm, like, as in, I, I don't know if I can continue even talking about the show after this season because of how, how awful some of the stuff that happened in the reunion is. So, to wit, the, the, the big crimes of the reunion. First of all... Well, can I just... Yeah, go ahead. I want to agree with you a little bit. 
which is like the first season is like this kind of quirky experiment yeah, and people are like, yeah, yeah whatever. whatever. And the second season, it's a similar experiment, but it's messy, you know, because yeah. of the Shane Shana thing and they keep trying to make that happen and, you know, weird decisions get made, but it still feels contained within the boundaries of what you expected the show to totally, be. Totally, totally. And, and, also, and also like really compelling characters or, slash people in season two, right? Like Shake and Deep D, uh, Ayana and Jarrett, you know, like, all, all these people who are like, ooh, these are all, like, compelling people, and I'm rooting for a bunch of them, and, like, some of them seem like genuinely decent people, and, like, all this stuff. And um, despite the chaotic edit, because we then, once the episodes air, they're able to talk more openly about their yeah. real lives, um, I think we get a sense of who the people are relative to what the portrayal is. Like, I think Shake is shake. You know, like he didn't get a bad edit. Yes. <laughs> he actually just if, is if that anything, guy. If anything, he got a good edit. And so, so um, it feels more fair. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But this third season, even just as an arc of a bundle of episodes, feels like the kind of optimism of the experiment. And then just watching the whole thing run into a ditch of like things that, um, like I'm genuinely concerned yes. for some of these people. Yes. So like, I... This has been written about in like Psychology Today, I think it was, and it, oh. but, but basically like, but basically like the biggest thing is, um, let's just Matt's, start with them. Matt's yeah. abusive behavior in the past episodes is never dis- like it's never really discussed. He's like, yeah, I kind of lost my cool, and you know, and but no one ever like calls him on it. Like why? Like of all the people, like Cole, in my opinion, yes, he should be given a hard time, but not as much as like Bartice and Matt. And Cole is, gets freaking hung out to dry in this episode. He's done dirty, in my opinion, compared, and, and again, like, how dare this show force me to defend Cole? I do not want to defend Cole, but like, he should not have been you treated as- You don't even want to be at the same pool I don't as even want to be the same, you know, town as Cole. Like, he's not a person I would ever like or hang out with, nor do I think he's a good person. But if you're gonna freaking, uh, string him up, and flay him in the public square emotionally, he should deserve it compared to the other guys. And he does not compared to like Bartise and Matt, in my opinion. Well, so let's start with Matt because I've, I, I feel that it's most responsible for us to talk about this by saying abusive. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. I want to break that into like behaviors sure. and you can decide for yourself based on your own experience and understanding like what is abusive. I think he badgers her. So there's like a horrible moment in that underwater um, yeah. aquarium <laughs> yeah. steak dinner that you wanted and I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's do let's do a little reenactment. Okay, like you're, sure. You're mad. Yeah, you were already doing a pretty good impression of him yesterday. <laughs> uh, when, As I do yeah, in our uh, daily lives. Yeah. So we're at the steak dinner and um, you want to ask me about something, right? Like, hey, like, where are we going for dinner? Let's say. Okay. Do you want to get dinner now, right? Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, so that's my prompt? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Got to channel my inner mat. It's a tough, tough place to find. So uh, do you want to get dinner now? Um, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I mean, I don't, I don't just, know. Just I, say it. I don't, I don't know if I want to just get dinner. Just say it, Colleen. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know say if I want to get... Say it. I don't, say I don't it. Know. Say it. Just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Just say it. I don't know. Just say it. I don't know. I don't know. Just say it. Okay. Anyway. And scene. Um, 
This is why we don't charge for this podcast. <laughs> um, so that's the badgering, which is not respecting when someone doesn't feel ready to talk, doesn't mm-hmm. feel ready to share something. Maybe they're still thinking through it. That is a right people have is to you know respectfully say, I understand your need for the question, but I'm not there right now. Yeah. So the badgering was pretty painful. Um, obviously, he um, flew into a rage yeah. um, after the pool incident. She went to him and said what happened. We now realize because he described that in the after you know, uh, the mm-hmm. altar special yeah. and, or the reunion, whatever it's called. And, um, he, she apparently reported honestly to him, but he, you know, was in a, that, that to me is a little bit more understandable that it would be very triggering of his past, you know, being yes. blindsided. It's a tough situation to have trust in. Um, everybody's like half naked in swimsuits and, you know, like I, I think I can understand that one a little bit more, but what made me very uncomfortable is that it felt like if the producers were not there and the cameras, that that situation could have gotten more out of control. Um, so he is, he seemed, I'm willing to give people a one time on that, you know, that like you are responsible for noticing when your anger is disproportionate or that you're having trouble self-soothing, you know, he should have taken a walk for maybe two miles and, you mm-hmm. know, asked himself what's the worst that can happen, like physically calm down. Um, but so anyway, a second thing was the, the sort of quick temper, I'll call it that. The worst example of that is definitely when she's quote unquote out until two thirty, and he has no idea where she is at the club. But in fact, he does know where she is, and she was trying to reach him. Um, a third example is um, being ungenerous to her in terms of like there's a narrative which is built around his own fear um, and her version of events doesn't seem to matter. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So then there's sort of a twisted thing where we're not in the same reality. And people who are victims of emotional abuse often will spend a ton of energy trying to prove, to like figure out what the other person's triggers are, avoid them like hell, and prove constantly that you're not doing those triggering things. And that's the thing I started to see Colleen doing too. So that that was all quite challenging to watch. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, and by the way, I think like a lot of people have been interpreting Colleen's body language during the reunion and, and been like, oh, wow, she's clearly like in an abusive relationship. I don't think that's like a um, good way of determining whether like people can have weird body language all the time for different reasons. But I do think that it is possible that he is abusive to her either emotionally or otherwise. And I think the producers of the show are really playing with fire by like not addressing it at all. Well, um, so it does be- feel like because- at a minimum they should have had Vanessa and Nick turn to them and say, there were times it got really heated between you. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. At, at a minimum, you know, at a, at a maximum, it's like get them some help or counseling or whatever, because like, if if this um, if it turns out it is an abusive relationship in some meaningful outrageous way, um, this show will never be able to watch wash the stench of that off. Like, 
Well, and yeah, so basically the implication of leaving it out even as a discussion topic means that winning means getting married. Yeah. Winning means being on those little couches instead of the bigger couches. And as we know, winning in this case would be actually not being in an abusive relationship no matter what happens on alter day or whatever. And so it's really distressing to me that it's so normative. The most winning couple in the history of yeah. three seasons of this show probably is SK and Raven, and they're not even married. Yes, and because they basically figured out a way to get out of the constraints of the show. They were like... And retain they their... escaped the show. ...dignity and their yes. individuality. It's not that they were inherently opposed to the constraints of the show but you know it didn't work for them and like they're they both come out looking i think great and so i i think that um there is something about that that i agree feels really terrible and it is really awful to watch a possibly we don't know we're not in their lives um abusive relationship not only being created, but feeling like the show is enabling it. Yes. Or, or not stopping it, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but again, yeah, may, maybe things are fine between the two. We don't know. No one knows what else is happening in someone else's marriage. But, like, uh, it, is, it is upsetting that that stuff was not called out. Those red flags were not called out or discussed in any meaningful way on the well, show. I will just say a couple of things about how they showed up in the special. One is they, there was, you know, you're, you go through the pods for whatever, 10 days, you get engaged or not. And then I think you have about a month before you get married. And when they would see their friends and family or catch up with people, the way they would describe these incidents where he would like get really jealous Mm -hmm. or controlling or whatever is they'd say, well, we've had a lot of ups and downs, but it's brought us closer. We've learned to communicate. And then now I don't know exactly when the special was filmed, but I think it's been um, 15 months since the altars give or Mm -hmm. take, because SK was going to Berkeley. That's how I like have mapped it in my head. So so, probably about a year has gone by um, at the timing of that special. Um, She says it with the exact same wording, which is Mm -hmm. like, we've had a lot of ups and downs. And I'm like, girl, that is code for some real shit in the past. So are you telling me you've had 12 months of that shit? Because that is unsustainable. yeah, From I mean, an emotional perspective. Look, I, I, we don't we don't know what is actually going on. Um, certainly, my read on it is that it's bad, but like we we don't know. Um, I, I'm not trying to draw any conclusions. Yeah, sure. I'm trying to just point out things yes. that made me additionally concerned that were net new. Sure. Um, another thing is the they don't live together. Yes. I we should not be poverty shaming anybody, right? Like, it's, correct. You know, but Vanessa was like, "Wait, but isn't it like cheaper if you move in together?" Typically, and I do feel that that was like a source of friction in some way. And who, who knows? I, I'm not judging anyone for not living uh, together, but I, I think a different way to put it for for me is that like, uh, it, it's possible everything is going great between the two of them. But if she was somebody who was living in fear of him, then her appearance on this episode would be indistinguishable from what it was. Like, yeah. if she was someone who's living in fear, then, like, it's like... We think it would present this way. It would present this way. But that doesn't um, mean... She, she's, like, not living with him because it's, like, 
Uh, maybe she's afraid to live with him. Um, yeah. She like, looks extremely nervous and like fake smile the whole time. And Barely any fake smiles. Yeah. Mostly she looks like she wants to puke. And everyone's like downplaying like all the, his past. You know, like if she was in a terrible situation, this is how it would look. Maybe she's not. And I hope that's the case. But if she in fact is, this will be, I predict, catastrophic for the show. Like I, I don't think they'll be able to come back from it. If it like comes to light that like, you know, something terrible is happening it's that that is game over for the show in my opinion I maybe just, they can overcome it like the bachelors overcome worse probably i right? don't know but, it's just but, yeah. it's, it's very painful yeah. very yeah. painful okay well we have four other couples to discuss, okay but so. they'll be quick so yes. let's do a, let's do our happy one sk and raven yes. since we started to talk about Yay. that Good they're for still together Yay. okay so since the past <laughs> week i have been um stalking stalking yeah Raven on TikTok and Insta, like she had this beautiful happy birthday post to mm-hmm. SK, the man who taught me so much about love. I mean, she she made it like vague, but <laughs> you're like, you probably wouldn't do this about your yeah. ex if they were dating yeah. someone else. Um, our friend Audrey, who listens to the show, had pointed me to the TikToks and mm-hmm. there was like a basically like a get you a man who does this kind of reaction TikTok mm-hmm. from Raven. So I was like praying that they're still together. At a minimum, they clearly have a lot of respect for each other. And so they made the long distance work. I told you two years flies by business school. You know, it's not a yeah. big deal. And I think they seem genuinely very committed to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's we wonderful. get an SK Raven it's wonderful. wedding what a nice, What a nice story. Um, okay. Move on. Move um... On. Uh, is it okay to move on? Yeah. Well, I'll just say quickly, I thought SK and Raven both w- behaved very dignified fashion, like really modeling great behavior yeah. in the special. Yes. So SK describing his react, his uh, interactions with other guys partly and calling other people out on their behavior not being great, yeah. but in a respectful way. Yes. Him saying that thing about the men and how it's so rare to have men have emotions with each other and to console each other and how that was an experience he had never had. It honestly, it gives me chills. Like I just thought that was so insightful. So thankfully they left that in. And then Raven basically kind of, she didn't apologize to Nancy, but like I thought it was good to clear that up a little bit. And I I just thought it, it was clear that everybody, these people at least, could grow through the process. They're probably people who are growth oriented anyway. Yeah. In any process. Um, I don't want to credit the show too much for creating that growth, but, um, yeah. I found them quite interesting that three seasons in, there's something new to say about. But I, I do think it's worthwhile to again reiterate that like they're the most successful couple, in my opinion, out of this season. Uh, if I had to bet a thousand dollars, not that I have that money to bet on which one of these couples is going to survive, it's going to be SK and Raven. Not even the ones who are married. Way to hide your gambling problem from me. Right. Um, but I'm saying like... <laughs> yeah, I agree. You, you know, and it's because they rejected the format of the show. They're like, I refuse to participate in this charade any longer. Um, so, good for them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bartice and Nancy. Oof. Again, Bartice like gets off basically scot-free in this you thing. You think so? Yes, he, I think he gets the second harshest. He does not... Even the reckoning is not even close to what is deserved here, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he says he like regrets some things. There are some intimations that he was already hanging out with like another woman shortly after like the, the next wedding. Day? Yeah, like the next weekend or whatever. Whatever. I mean, we've already said a lot about them. Like he, he, I don't think he treated her well. Nancy was a very all or nothing person, you know. 
he thought that they would still have space to hang out and develop things, but they that's didn't. because Bartiz thinks he's a ten, and he thinks Nancy's a six. So he's like, I got space to negotiate this, yes. and he was wrong. Yep. Instead, he went off, may or may not have partied with this woman. Who cares? And then got a fucking man bun. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that look? I, you know, I don't. It, it seems like it's working for him, but it's really—it's obviously an acquired taste. It, so. it signals exactly what you're getting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did think like it was a strange moment when he said, "Why do you all want to know about my sex life?" And people were like, "No one wants to know about your sex life." The fact that you think it was, that it's about your it sex was, life—it was the most hilarious giveaway. He's like. He's like, yeah, so you were with this woman in, in, at a party. You were standing like next to this woman. And he's like, why do you want to know who I'm having sex with? And it's like, we didn't say who you're having sex with. And he's like, well, look, I need to cope with things in a certain way, okay? And it's like, okay, okay. He, like, gave away the game, basically, inadvertently. For sure, but, again, like, that is actually not the point. The point is, if you were really brokenhearted, yes. you wouldn't be able to, like, move on so quickly. Yes. So quickly, quickly, quickly that it literally feels like you left the venue and, like, picked yeah. up the first person you could. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, Brennan and Alexa... The, the only thing I didn't like about Brennan and Alexa is, like, freaking Brennan's getting shots off on everyone. It's like, Brennan, you're not better than these people. Okay, Brennan? Like, Brennan's very smug because he's like, you know, I'm in one of the only functional relationships here. It's like, okay, Brennan. Okay. Like, you're not, you're not better than everyone else. Okay? Brennan is better than everyone else because he calls out Cole for his ableist language. Okay, That's true. So that was, quick that was side good. Note. That was good. And also, like, to be fair, he, he was, like, pretty devoted to Alexa, like, right from the jump, like, no questions asked. That, that is, that is nice. But, you Can know. Can I just say what I mean by ableist language? Because I yeah, don't yeah, think everybody yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, sure. So ableism is, like, the idea that able-bodied people um, are, you know, better than, more deserving, et cetera, than people who have disabilities. Um, in the mental health arena, what that looks like is stigmatizing things and just using crazy or insane as a pejorative. Yes. And I don't think, you know... Using terms like crazy and insane, yes. When um, maybe that person has like a yes. mental health issue that is treatable that could be um, rather than stigmatized or pathologized, like treated with some compassion and understanding, while still understanding that will create struggles for that person. So when Cole called Zana crazy... And then he's like, how about we just don't call people that, you know? And, and, and he's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Insane. <laughs> it's like, that's still the same thing. Same thing. Um, but I thought it was actually helpful of Brennan, or what Brennan's prompt led to was something that's more helpful, which is that Cole said, well, I think you're lying, which is a behavior, not mm-hmm. a label of mm-hmm. a person. And so I think um, then you can debate whether the person is lying or not, sure. but that is um, more at the root of the problem. So... I thought right. Brennan was overall pretty helpful. Okay, fair enough. Um, they're doing fine. Whatever. I don't. Yeah. You know. Whatever. Yeah. Great. All right. Cole and Zeneb. We don't have anyone else to talk about, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really want to do this. Okay. <laughs> it's just so fucking painful. It's painful because, as I mentioned, Cole is clearly like blindsided by everything that happened, and like. I believed him when he said he was like brokenhearted after. Oh, he, I absolutely believe. It him. seems like this show, the events of the show, has destroyed him. Um, can can and, we start with actually at the top of the show? Yeah. There's a discussion of 
the pool party incident. They yeah. even replay the whole pool party incident. But if you if are you into decoding, decoding reality, reality, you don't need to because yeah, you can yeah. go back and listen to our reenactment of it in episode two yeah. of the show. Um, I thought that he and Colleen actually got raked over the coals a little bit more than deserved for that incident. Like, it took a lot of the airtime of the reunion. I thought it was not great, but, you know, a lot of people wanted to have their say about that. Yes. So, okay, fine. You know, um, Colleen apologized to Zeneb. Sure. You know, Cole has his chance to say, like, that was really not okay. Um, and it's really, all of that feels kind of roughly in line with where the show like earlier seasons of the show, you know, would have yes, kind of totally brought well, it up. It's for well drama. trod ground. Well trod ground. You know, yes. like yeah, it's really the back half of the special where I feel like the stuff with Cole becomes really, really painful. Yeah. Um, and I think. Uh, so th- there's only two things I want to discuss about yeah. the Cole Zeneb situation. One is that at one point Zeneb appears to like fabricate a story about. Cole almost making out with someone, um, and or, or or maybe she fabricated. It's not clear what is actually true. And what is weird about that situation is it feels like it's extremely verifiable. Like the details that Zenon provides are so specific that it's like Cole seems to have no memory of this. And at this point in the show, if you're asking me who, what is more possible that this event didn't happen or that Zenim is fabricating or exaggerating it, it's going to be the latter, in my opinion, um, of what wait, is... Wait, 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 wait. Yep. Fabricating or exaggerating, to me, these are extremely different because I think that Zenim basically walks through life through this tunnel of distortion. Yeah. And so I actually believe a version of it happened, yeah. but and, and as she was saying it, I, I was like, I can even picture how this went down, like in the way that yeah. she was describing it, how she heard it and kind of took it to a certain level. Um, Maybe Cole like was like, oh, yeah, I went to a party and there was some like hot chick there or whatever. And then she's like, and then she like took it and then like exaggerated it to be like, and you almost kissed the hot chick. And then you told me about almost kissing the hot chick or, you know, something like that, right? Very similar. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, he tried to get her number. Could have been like, oh, I kind of thought about getting her number. But I was like, right. no, I don't do cheating. And I even said to her, no, I don't do cheating. Exactly. I'm getting then, married then, tomorrow. Yeah, but she, she hears like, like yeah. the harshest yeah. version of it and even her version i think might all be true but like leave out all the positives which is like yeah cole's like a really good looking guy and he got hit on and he yeah. didn't cheat you know the thing that was interesting was they alluded to this um like stuff that he said to her off camera about like her appearance and weight which is like oh, like that that does feel like stuff that Cole might have actually said, you know? Cole is a then, walking bag of microaggressions, right? Yes, like, totally. you, you probably assume that he's like the guy in the office that said the thing where you're like, shit, why? <laughs> yes. But then, of course, the second thing is we get uh, some really damning footage, in my opinion, where she talks about the cuties, the little tangerines. Okay, the so we're going into the cuties. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's... It's an extraordinary, I have to say, even though I think the show is a net negative for society, um, and everyone who watches it and is listening to this podcast uh, should feel bad, including me, I feel bad. I don't feel um, bad. <laughs> I'm being facetious, but that was one of the most remarkable, like, 
reality TV moments I've ever seen where like you hear these two people like argue over this event and then it and then it's like okay hey see you next season Vanessa is just like oh hey this is a lot of fun see you next season boom cut to the cutie story and it's like holy crap they actually got the receipts I, I will say as a, someone who's viewing it it's like exhilarating just like it, it was an exhilarating like TV moment so I'm not like I can't deny that it was like wow like I can't and then, and then after that it just cut to credits like that was the last thing they left you on um, yeah so talk about chaotic editing some, yeah some of the memes about this have been so incredible of just like they chose violence basically like they, they, the, producers. The, the producers the editors of the show woke up and chose violence and it is like it's like watching Cersei choose violence in Game of Thrones it's like okay I don't support this but it's incredible to watch right like, I, I don't support what's happening on a moral or ethical level, but, like... I actually do support it. Okay. I think it's additive. I think they couldn't, like, play it in real time yeah. there because they had to go back and search through. Sure. One of the things about reality is you have so much footage yeah. versus what gets into hundreds the edit. Of thousands and you're doing, of like, hundreds or thousands of hours, yeah. Well, so, yeah, in this case, I don't exactly know what but, the production schedule is, but But Cole's like, Cole's, like, play... Just, if you have the footage, play it. And, like, I didn't think we'd... Get the footage, but then, you know, the, the special ends. And by the way, Cole has a very tearful moment at the end of the special where Wait, he's can like... can we talk about that separately? Yeah, sure. Can we talk about the sure. cuties thing first? Sure. Well, I think the only way to do this is you say your interpretation of the cuties. Yeah. And I'm going to say my interpretation. Yes. Okay, well... Because interpretations vary. This thing is like such a Rorschach This is, is a pruder tape of, uh, of Love is Blind. Okay. The second one after the pool scene. I think Cole said some really terrible things to Zeneb earlier on in the relationship that we we were privy to on the show, you know? Like the like 9 the, versus the, the 9. The 9 versus a 10, the who I would normally be into physically, the, all yes. that stuff. Do you uh, think, uh, uh, I, I thought you'd look like, because your name's Zeneb, not Lily. Yes. Um, so he said some really messed up stuff to her. Like, the full stop, no excuse. I don't. I don't think it's that messed up. I think it's just clueless. Okay, sure, clueless, whatever. But, like... Um, Zeneb does not have the uh, self-confidence or w- whatever term you think to like for th- for those things to kind of not impact her psychologically, as I think she admitted at the wedding episode, right? Like those things, dis- in her opinion, quote unquote, destroyed her self-confidence. So her self-confidence was not strong enough to you know, resist the impact. I'm not saying like she's particularly weak or anything, but I'm saying... In her case, this was a perfect collision of unfiltered man thoughts with like somebody who uh, was likely to have challenges to her self-image. And it's the awful confluence of those two things. Okay. So that's like heading into the cutie story, the context. Whose fault it was? I'm uh, Sure, it may, you could say it's Cole's fault. You could say it's the combination of the two's fault, you know, whatever. But whatever the case, the, the pump was primed for her to hear stuff that he said in an extremely negative fashion. That said, what he actually said was, in my opinion, pretty innocuous. And they had spent minutes of him talking about like, hey, I'm going to go and travel around the country and meet your people. And it's a very like, um, I don't think she was even listening to any of that, you know, or she didn't receive that love in the way that it was intended. 
and then he makes a comment about, hey, we're going to have a big dinner later. Like, um, make sure you save your appetite. But he wasn't even, it wasn't in a, in my opinion, cruel way. It wasn't like, hey, watch your way. Now, maybe he said those things at other times, or maybe Zenob just exaggerated those at other times. But like, uh, because of, and in the context of all the other stuff he said, it was very more damaging to her than it would have been otherwise. Bottom um, line. Bottom line. You think it exonerates Cole? Exonerates is a strong word. I think it's very clear that Zenob exaggerates uh, because the universal 99% reaction to that clip is uh, from, Twitter. from Twitter, you know. R.I.P. soon. R.I.P. soon. Which is, <laughs> he got this yeah. contribution in, which is the reaction. Which is that, is, is that like <laughs> people died. listen to the Zenob story about the cuties and they watch the clip and they're like, that does not match. That does not match what Zenob said about the cuties. And I agree with that reaction. Um, and, and it, it literally calls into question, like, everything else Zenob said about, like, this story about Cole almost kissing. You know, she's clearly just, like, exaggerating everything and viewing things through the filter of her damaged emotional state. Um, so I don't think she's lying necessarily. So I walk that back, but, like, she's not telling the truth. Well. Okay. Right after yep. we finished watching the cutie story and the, yep. you know, credits come up, you turned to me and you were like, oh, my God, there was nothing there. He didn't do anything. You know, like it exonerates him more yes. than not. Yes. That's a more measured response. But I think overall you're still well, in I, I, the... Having thought about it more and having thought about your reaction, I gave... My, my reaction's res- on this other part of the spectrum. Um <laughs> But maybe at the end of the day, having, you know, slept on it and really thought about um, <laughs> these deep questions of what happened with the cuties. <laughs> Have we fully is, contextualized the cuties? It truly is one of the greatest questions of our time. Um, I, I think we ended up maybe in not such a different place. Cause, but I watched the cuties story and I'm like, oh, she was telling the truth. So mm. let me tell you why. In her telling, so she's sitting on the fancy couch with the other people at the reunion. She says, and, and people keep referring to this oranges story, you know, or tangerine story. And finally, Vanessa's like, what, what is that? You know, she says, yeah, so I was hardly eating anything. Um, I had eaten a banana and like a little bit of peanut butter that day. I um, went to eat like two you know, little tiny oranges. And he said, oh, you better save your appetite because we're going to a big dinner later. So everything she said is actually quite verbatim shown by Mm -hmm. the tape. Mm -hmm. And I could see why from her perspective, she's like, go, yes, go get the tape. It shows exactly what I said. All of those things are factual. It is... She doesn't say that he took one of them away from her or that he said, you're going to get fat or you are already fat, so you can't afford to have two tiny oranges. You should only have one. None of that. That's all implied, right, in the way that she says it. And she clearly went and told the other women on the couch, he's doing things like that. Yeah, he told me that I shouldn't eat the cuties. I have been on the receiving end of phone calls like that. I've probably made phone calls like that. Not a ton, but you know, I, I have some experience with this. And unfortunately, because eating disorders are so incredibly common among women, um, it's, it's a common topic if you're able to be close enough friends with someone. Um, so I think what 
when I heard this whole thing, I was like, she has a lot of body image insecurity already. She has said on camera, we don't know what she said off camera that was cut, but basically like, I will never be as thin as Colleen. And I understand that. And and in her view, that's the problem or that's what is stated in the edit. Um, she is trying to fit into a wedding dress and there is sort of this jokey adage that you will never be the thinnest you will ever be the least pounds you will ever weigh. If you're a woman in a sort of heteronormative marriage is going to be on your wedding day. So people commonly starve themselves leading up to that. Um, and so she's already also, by the way, starving yourself makes you emotionally like not well because like hormonally your body's like freaking out and like wondering when is it going to get some sustenance so i as she said the whole thing i was like it could have been a nothing comment but she took she heard it in a way that she was primed to hear it Mm -hmm. and then when we saw the thing it was absolutely the case that she heard it in the way she was primed to hear it she didn't hear him say Oh, you could have had some poke bowl earlier. Oh, you know, like I, is that like, why are you only eating so little? And he's like, Oh, are you trying to do that thing where people like try to fit into their wedding dress? And that is Cole trying to relate to her and say like, Oh, I know how women are. They try to fit into the wedding dress. He is not saying, Oh, I hear your underlying anxiety. That's probably triggered, triggering disordered feelings about food. Let me reassure the underlying anxiety, which is like, you are gorgeous and it's fine. Um, eat all the cuties, you know? Um, and she completely does miss the part where he's like, you know, this is a common thing um, in the Gottmans who are famous like marriage uh, yeah. counselors that people will like speak to each other, but miss the underlying thing, what they call a bid. It's like an offer of love. So he's saying, why can't we have um a little reception in the UK. Like, how difficult would that be? Where is your family in the UK? And that is his offer of, like, service and, um, like, his interest in these people to get to know them. And she doesn't hear it as that. I think she hears it kind of as a logistics question. And so she's kind of, like, not super engaged. He is a super talkative, extroverted person, and you get the sense she's not quite as extroverted, so she's not as able to keep up with the flow of words or the Mm -hmm. torrent of words all day, every day. I mean, I think this dynamic honestly carries out between you and me too, that I'm a more bit more extroverted. So I just produce more words than you can actually fully attentively thoroughly listen to all day Mm -hmm. long. Um, I'm sorry, what were you saying? (laughs) Um, And, um, but so as a result, she misses the bid. She doesn't hear it as an offer of love. And then the, I think the, P.S. de resistance is she says, he says, so is it one of those wedding dress things? And she says, yeah, something like that, but you don't want to know. You don't, you don't want me to tell me. You. And it's that's, like the freaking Christopher Nolan-esque ending, in my opinion, of like, you don't want me to tell you. And then it's the thing that we just finished watching, like from the reunion. I thought uh, just like as a, it's a horrifying spectacle, this whole thing, but just as a way to end it. When you like, say Christopher Nolan asked, do you mean like at the end of Inception? Yes, like at the, the end of Inception is... or Memento or what? It's just like this ending that you're just like, you're, you're seeing this moment that like in that moment when they were living it was for Cole, they're obviously experiencing it in a completely different way. Yes. And yes. then the emotions behind that yes. have like expanded to fill the entire room by the time uh, of the reunion, which we just finished watching. Yeah, so it's yeah. just like, 
it, yeah, it, it was like an out. I was having like an out of body experience watching, especially with that ending. It was just. So here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. You heard you don't want to know almost as like this auger of what was to come, yes. which we've just watched, which is horrifying. Yes. I heard it as, first of all, people with, who do self-harm, and I would, cons- I would put disordered eating as a subcategory mm-hmm. of self-harm along with cutting and binge drinking to a certain level and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, are often very secretive about it mm-hmm. and they will hide it. In her case, I think her saying you don't want to know is both her hiding it and it's a little bit of a cry for help. Mm. You know, I think she has a whole bunch of like anguish that she carries with her that she is hoping at all times he will reassure. It's part of why she digs and digs and digs, you know, for details of things that will end up haunting her because she's hoping that there's actually like some relief for her in there. So I really, I already knew that that was a version of what the cuties story was going to look mm-hmm. like. And so it didn't actually yeah. mismatch with my expectation at all. Yeah. Um, I wasn't looking at it so much from Cole's perspective and now having slept on it, I'm like, dude walked through that minefield for 30 days, not knowing he was actually stepping on bombs yeah. and they did all go off. He just didn't know because she would kind of hide it or like it would come out in a little bit of a indirect or passive aggressive way. And, you know, she was like, basically it all went off at the wedding itself when she couldn't yeah. hold it in anymore. He, he, he was depressing. just, yeah, it's like watching someone go into the hurt locker without any armor on. Like he, he clearly just was unprepared for her emotional reality. And like, it's it's tragic. I said it would be tragic in the first episode. Uh, the first episode, I was like, this is going to be tragic. And it was like way more tragic than I ever thought it would be. And how dare this show make me feel empathy for Cole. I just want to say that one more time. But that is the show's achievement, is that you can feel, you, someone who have no, nothing in common. Nothing in common. With Cole, yeah. can feel empathy for him. I actually think the cutie story, the reason I am glad they included it, is because... Um, I think it's a great teaching moment of Mm. how two people can walk through the same reality and come out of it with different perspectives. And there are other, I mean, this is happening online too, where people are like, clearly she's a pathological liar. Yes. Clearly, you know, he is a manipulator and he um, is micromanaging her food. It's like, well, none of those things are necessarily clear. And we can talk about how reality is subjective and we bring our own you know, personalities and traumas and whatever to those. And I, I think she clearly, she just obviously has a, just a really, really sensitive tripwire around a bunch of stuff. So when she said, I'm ready to be married, I think what she means is she is really ready to have that full feeling of like trust and being soothed. But I don't know that that's available to Zeneb as delicate as she is, because I think even if you weren't Cole, someone would have, anybody would trip some of this stuff for her and it would spiral. You know, that's my sense. So therapy, they need therapy. Totally. Uh, But I think she comes off as monstrous in this episode. And I think a lot of people agree with that. I think it's a big hurt people, hurt people thing where you can see she's not monstrous because she's like evil or malicious inside, but it, the pain that she is feeling distorts her own treatment towards herself, her treatment towards others yeah. in a way that she can't even, um, the problem is she, it keeps her from, we all experience pain, you know, like you might hurt my feelings. I might hurt yours, but like the real grace of a relationship is when you can sort of experience that pain, but also 
still empathize with the other person enough to like build a bridge like through or across it. She can't even see that he exists, I feel like, in those moments yeah. where she is so angry and hurt because, you know, probably she's got a whole lifetime of that hurt, like, built up until now. Totally. I just want to say that Cole... I think the worst moment for me in this show is when Vanessa says, you are the first person in three seasons of this show to say that you regret doing it. And Cole says, not, yeah, it made my life terrible. He says... Yeah, well, I basically destroyed someone else's self-confidence. Like, how can you, how can you want to keep going after that? You know, and, you know, he's weeping, talking about his year and how awful it's been. And clearly everybody on the couch is like not, on the women's couch is not a big fan of his. And I can understand that because I do think. There is no sympathy for him at all on the stage. It's really, that's what's also like. Versus for Matt or Bartiz. Yeah. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Just like. But Cole, you know, and I'm not a, fa- I am not a fan of Cole, but like the way he was treated was so bad in proportion to what he did. It's just, and, and he, and he, from what I could tell, he has suffered for it. He has suffered I profoundly. I think he's still suffering. Yeah. And it, I think it will keep him from being able to date and deeply trust someone again. It, it recontextualizes for me why he said, are you bipolar? I think what, I, I still don't think he knows what bipolar yes, means. he shouldn't have said that. That's but, a terrible thing to say. And it is a terrible and unloving way yeah. to put that. Um, but I think that people who have, how do I put this? I would, it's my hypothesis. It's just a speculation. I think people like Zenob can run very hot cold. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like in their moments where they feel more secure, they can be very, very warm and then they can be very, very icy. And it's really bewildering for the person on the receiving yes. end of it because they're like, what did I do? Especially if you're cold with like not great situational or self-awareness. So um, I feel like Cole was not the villain of the season and that there were th- two other villains, like you were saying. And to some extent... Um, I think, I, I think Zenob was the the stealth villain of the season. <laughs> but what were the other a two? A little years? bit, yeah. Zenob and Matt, in my opinion. I, you know, Matt and Bartiz, as terrible yeah. as they might be, I can't imagine creating this big sort of showdown. I'm going to read you. The way, the way Zenob treats Cole during the um, reunion is chilling, in my opinion. Like... The guy's like breaking down in front of her, and but, like, but she does say, "I forgave you." I don't believe her for a second. Like, oh, interesting. She's, and, and some people have said, some people have read into it as like she's clearly like trying to position herself for reality show fame. I hope it works out for her. Um, but I think that's probably true. You know, I think great, that part good. Is true. I hope it was worth like giving up your fucking humanity to like make this work. But like. Um, the show I, I, has become I get a, a, a bit of a narcissist vibe from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The show has become a very sad, upsetting spectacle for me. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably watch season four, but I don't know if I'm going to record a podcast about it. Well, this I'm is the one that's set in Seattle, so then we have to figure out yeah, if we know anyone in it. And that true. someone secretly that we, will, we know has gotten married and we didn't, know, even, didn't we, even tell us. We will almost definitely know someone who knows someone in the show. Seattle's really it's small. really small. So I feel so. like, yeah, that is highly likely. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Well, Season that was three wrap up. That was a thing that happened. Of all of the shows we've watched together and talked about, that was one of them. Uh, but seriously, though, folks, uh, you know, uh, despite my feelings on Love Is Blind, I have enjoyed talking about it with uh, at Joy O'Napping, and 
Uh, we've gotten emails, texts from people who listen to the show, and that's been it's just been fun to engage. Because what Love is Blind really invites you to do is judge the lives of strangers. And who wouldn't enjoy that? Who wouldn't enjoy decoding that reality? Exactly. All right, folks. Decodingreality.tv is where you can find more episodes of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks, Joy, for chatting. My uh, pleasure. People might be asking, what is the next show, Decoding Reality, of my cover? Uh, we'll have more to say on that soon, but keep it subscribed. and uh, Send in ideas. Yeah, feel free to send in ideas to decodingtv at gmail.com. But yeah, uh, I expect that I'll have more to say about this in the next uh, few weeks. So uh, keep it subscribed. Thanks to everyone who's listened so far. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com slash covered.